privilege of uh, actually skipping out in the middle of the second service uh, and uh, flying off, Karen and I, to Colorado Springs to participate with Doug Nunke tonight in his installation as president of Navigator. So Len has graciously uh, agreed to preach to us. So Len, please come. Switcheroo, huh? <laughs> I'm short, though, too, so it really won't be that different. That's the... No, actually, the other day I came in here, and I just got up here and stood behind the plat- you know, the podium just to get the feel of it again, and I thought, it's so nice that we have a short preacher, because the podiums are always about like this. Now that I have you laughing, that's the wrong thing to do, right? Let me, I'll pray so you'll settle down here. <laughs> Lord, thank you for this morning. Great songs we've gotten to sing, a lot of them just singing to you. Thank you just for a good day to be together again and to be in your presence. Help us to hear the things you say here in this uh, text of scripture. Say that in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I want you to listen to something first here. Now you have to sing it with me, okay? Steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning, new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness, O Lord. Great is thy Well, I was looking at a picture online the other day uh, of a desert. That's desert, not dessert. Okay, desert. So you have to think sand. It was this picture. It's, it's just all sunshine, strong sunshine, sand, sort of dirty sand, and not much color at all. Um, very few plants. You get the feel here. Just sort of this barren landscape. The few little plants that were there were these little scrubby things, um, colorless pretty much. And in the middle of the picture, which is obviously why this person took this picture, there's this cactus. It's a little little bigger than the other plants, but this little cactus. And right on top of the cactus is this bright yellow flower. You know, it's like surprise, this cactus with this bright yellow flower in the midst of this colorless place. Lamentations 3.23 is exactly like that. It's this, this verse that stands out in the middle of Lamentations because what it says in the midst of um, this book, which is really, the book of Lamentations is a series of five poems. And perhaps you already know that a lot of the prophets uh, in the Old Testament are actually poetry. If you could read it in Hebrew, uh, you'd appreciate the fact that you're reading poetry. The, the book of Lamentations is five poems, and they're, they're called laments. 
because they're not happy poems. These are very sad poems, as you would expect from the title of the book of Lamentations. But there are five poems in which uh, Jeremiah most likely wrote these, but he's just uh, looking around, uh, most likely after the fall of Jerusalem, and just sad. He's looking around and pouring out the emotions that are inside of him through poetry. Poetry is a great way to express strong emotions. Um, he looks around, and I try to imagine what, what is he seeing, you know? He's seeing orphans. He's seeing people who are starving because they've just been uh, destroyed by the Babylonians. Uh, he's seeing the economy that's collapsed around him. Uh, and most like, you know... He, Honestly, in, in the foreseeable future, this is not going to get any better. And actually, his whole life has been pretty miserable. Uh, all the time he's been alive, Israel has been in trouble, essentially. And also, I think it's interesting uh, that the way this, this book is structured, the way these poems are put together, there are five poems, <clears throat> and uh, each of them are... 22 verses, which is the number of letters in the Hebrew alphabet, with the exception of the third one, which is the one we'll look at, which is 66 verses long. So it's three times as long. But, and the first set of poems is, are, are acrostics. The first verse starts with A. The second st verse starts with B. The third verse starts with C. So they're very carefully written. Uh, and so he structured these things very interestingly made the middle one longer, and he's put this flower right in the middle of the third one. The point is, he wants you to notice this, just like that flower on the cactus. In one sense, speaking in today's words, he's highlighted it in yellow for us. Uh, and so I just wanted, this has been a verse that's meant a lot to me for a long time. So I thought this is a fun one to look at together this morning. The first thing that he says as the song says, because the song is pretty much straight out of the scripture, is that the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. God never stops loving us. God never stops loving us. What kind of person says this? Well, usually joyful people say this. Isn't God so good? You know, every time, I know every time we win the lottery, we stop and say, yes, God loves me. I knew it, you know. <laughs> the other day I spoke with somebody who uh, said to me, Len, I think I'm dating a boy. <laughs> and they were very happy. And, uh, uh, you know, when a person, when something like that happens to you, if you're newly engaged, people are always walking on sort of cloud nine, as you think. Uh, and happy, healthy, blessed people are always taken up with how good God is and his love, you know, that really is so wonderful. But Jeremiah is not a happy, healthy, blessed person. He's really in a mess in his life. And it's interesting that if I just come here this morning and tell you, God loves us, doesn't he? He's so good to us. Yeah, I could make somewhat of an impression on you. 
But if somebody comes along who is really suffering and says that, it makes a huge impression on us. That's why Joni Erickson Tata has become famous all these years. This young woman who has this diving accident at the height of, you know, everything that she is, and suddenly she cannot move below the neck. She's a quadriplegic. And she's become famous because somehow through all this, she has really had a wonderful ministry of just telling people God is wonderful. He still loves us. I Recently, because of this, I was reading something about her, and uh, there was this um, story of a, a woman who works with her. And this woman's friend had just been diagnosed with uh, Parkinson's disease. And so Joni uh, wrote this man a note <laughs> to encourage him. Sorry. But what was striking was this, the man said it was just so um, overwhelming to him to know that she held this pencil in her mouth to write this note <laughs> and tell him that, to not give up, that God still loves him, that God was there for him. That is so, it's just so powerful when someone who's in that situation says that. You know, when our own Eileen Huffman tells us about God's love as she struggles with cancer, it's so overwhelming. And uh, I'm really not very old. I know I might begin to look old. I'm really pretty young yet. But 30 years ago, I had this student <laughs> named Jane uh, in Tennessee in InterVarsity. And uh, Jane has cancer today. And uh, it does not look very encouraging. But her husband has been writing us updates to pray for her. And so there's a group of us praying. And at first I was reading these to, to know what to pray for Jane. But I just got one last night. And, you know, I don't read them anymore for knowing what to pray. I'm reading them for inspiration because of what David is learning through this experience with his wife suffering. It's been amazing to see uh, what is happening. This, uh, as I thought about this, this image came to me. Uh, you've probably been in an airplane. Uh, you're sitting on the runway. You're about to take off, and it's, there are a lot of clouds, <laughs> and it's really dark outside, and maybe it's starting to rain, and you wonder, oh, no, I'm not going to get to take off again. You know, I'll be 20 hours late. And, uh, but at any rate, the plane does take off, thank the Lord. And uh, you gain altitude, and pretty soon, you know, you look out below you. I always love looking out. And then all of a sudden, you can't see anything because you're in the clouds. And then, boom, all of a sudden, the sunshine comes in the windows, and you're above these clouds. And everything is bright up there. It's like an entirely different world. There's no, there are no clouds in the sky. Well, that's because you're above the clouds. Everything's blue up above, and the sunshine is so bright. And I thought to myself, you know, Jeremiah, my friend David, these people really are flying above the clouds in one sense. 
their circumstances look really terrible, but they're flying above the clouds somehow and seeing the love of God through all of this. Um, And my question is, how do they learn that God is so good in the midst of this? Uh, And the answer, of course, is, and this is a terrible thing to say this morning, but they probably do not learn it from a sermon. (laughs) Rats, you know, or reading it in a book. Uh, where they learn this is just from walking and talking with the Lord over time. It's experience that teaches you about the goodness of the Lord. And what's striking too, you already know this, but so often we learn these incredible lessons, not just in spite of the pain, but you often learn in the midst of the pain and because of the pain, you learn that God is good somehow. It's a phenomenal thing. At the same time, of course, it's, you know, you can learn something about God's love through blessings, right? <laughs> when he sends something really nice into your life. Personally, that's my preference, to learn about God's love through blessings rather than pain and suffering, obviously. Uh, but it brings you to the next thought in this little, little section of the poem because he says the love of God never ends. He just wants to affirm that. But then the next thing he says is that the mercies of God are new every morning. New every morning. I love this image. Uh, It brought to my mind when I read it uh, a time two years ago. I was in in, uh, Colorado with our international students at this camp. And it's we're at this campground that's in a little bowl. So... You're down in the midst of this, and you're surrounded on all sides by these tall mountains. And they're carpeted with trees, so it's dark green. It's just beautiful, you know. Well, we, went, we got there one day, Friday night, actually, and it was a wonderful spring day. I had promised these students spring in the mountains. This will be a great time. We'll go horseback riding. You'll love this. So we go to bed. I get up the next morning. There are 11 inches of snow on the ground. (laughs) I went, oh, no. So I get up, and I walk outside, and all of a sudden, it is unbelievable because I look up, and all the hills all around me are this brilliant white. Just it's, It's not even just brilliant white. It's sparkling because of the sunshine. I've never seen anything quite so beautiful in my whole life, really. And being a bird lover, there was a a group of yellow-rumped warblers working their way through the aspen trees, which was really fun, too. But it was this this morning was so fresh and alive. And, of course, that's what's great about mornings. They're just, they're new. (laughs) Mornings are new (laughs) every day. But... But every, you know, a morning is full of this promise and potential for the new day. And it's great. And the image here that God's, God's mercies are new every morning. Sometimes, you know, you go to bed depressed and you get up and you feel better in the new morning. Or you, get, you go to bed, you're sort of fearful and you get up and it's better. It's so wonderful. But I was thinking too that the mercies of God being new every morning, a lot of those mercies, a lot of this love of God that's new every day really comes in the form of really, really simple things. 
you know, really simple things. In the morning when I wake up, our, uh, I look out our window there, and just, and I mean, when I wake up, meaning opening my eyes, and there are, there are trees right outside the window, so you just see this sort of green leaf wall, but the sunlight comes from that direction. It filters through these leaves. And I often wake up and think, this is so wonderful, Lord. Thank you for the sunshine coming through these leaves. It's such a simple thing, but it's great. Again, I'm a bird lover, so I go into my office, and I have a bird feeder right outside the window. And often, every morning, these two little wrens, it's a couple, wrens go in pairs, and they'll come to my bird feeder, and they'll sort of look in at me, and then they'll work at the peanuts and fly off. And I always think that the Lord has just sort of sent them to say hello to me for the morning, you know. But, or this morning I got here to the church and uh, someone stopped and talked to me. That's just a big deal. They're just a friend who thought I was worth stopping and talking to, which is really wonderful. But these little mercies, uh, Jenny Jewell, I don't know how many of you know Jenny in our church. She's in Costa Rica right now. She's been feeling really rotten uh, in recent weeks, and she feels better just in time for her to go visit her daughter in Costa Rica. She's so thankful for that. Um, Chad was coming here this morning on his motorcycle, a foolish and reckless thing to do, actually. (laughs) But he was saying that there was this beautiful moon when he was coming here, and he said it just made him think, God's alive, you know, and he loves us. That's true. But I think a lot of times there's this sense of almost temporary blindness that we have, you know, that we just, we can't see these things that are all around us. If we go back to my snowy morning, it's like snowflakes falling all around us. Just God's love and mercies, little tiny things. And you're sometimes, especially when it gets hard or, Something's really making you fearful. You just lose track of these new mercies every morning that are around uh, and keep us going. Uh, Blindness is always a terrible thing because when you lose your sight, you can't see things anymore. (laughs) I'm full of profound comments this morning here. (laughs) And I'm struck that Jesus was always healing people who are blind. And, you know, when, when they could see again, it was so exciting because they could see things that they hadn't been able to see. And so they see a tree, and that's really a great tree, you know, or rocks or a cactus or whatever it is. But, you know, it's sad when we lose the ability to see and just the appreciation of all these little things that God gives us every day. And, of course, some things that come every day Some new mercies are really big. When we see somebody's cancer go into remission, praise God, that's a big mercy that comes down the road, you know. Or somebody who's been out of work for a long time and they find a job, you know, they fall down and and thank the Lord, you know, that's such a wonderful thing. Or a relationship that's been restored. There's one mercy that's new every morning that really is the biggest mercy of all. I don't know what, if, I don't know what, I wonder what you think I'm going to say here. <laughs> but it is, in fact, I, if you've thought about this, that you are forgiven again today. 
You are forgiven again today. I don't know what you did yesterday to disappoint the Lord. I don't know what you did this morning to disappoint the Lord. You know. But every time we come back to him and say, I'm sorry, Father. You know, we find that Jesus' death has covered that sin again. Praise the Lord. That's, that's unbelievable. That that mercy is new every morning. It never stops. You know, you're always forgiven. You just got to say hallelujah to that. There's this one um, final comment that he makes here. He says, great is thy faithfulness. Now, faithfulness just means you can count on somebody. If they're faithful, you can count on them. They're not going to change. They've been this way. They'll continue to be this way. There are a lot of pictures of God in the Bible. Jesus tends to settle on one particular picture of God, and that is that he's our father. And Luke 15, the prodigal son story, is obviously kind of the classic uh, illustration of this that the Lord uses, that God is like a father who really loves us, and he has this terrible son, not me, no, I mean Larry, right? Yeah, Larry, right. He has this terrible son, and the son really does disappoint the father in some radical ways, typical of Jesus' story. But this, this father does what's best for the son, what he thinks will be best for the son. And it, isn't it striking that he never gives up on this boy? And he's still looking for this boy at the end of the story. Uh, and what I love at the most maybe in this story is that at the end, the father is happy he comes home. I just love that. That the Lord is happy when you come home. The Lord is happy when you come back again, you know, and to be with him, to let him be your father again. And just this picture of him as our father, that he's always there for us. And what's incredible then, this is the major picture of Father, of the Lord, of God that we have from Jesus. And yet it tends to be the very thing we doubt so quickly that his faithfulness, because the question is, where is he? Why aren't you answering this prayer? How can you let this happen? You don't love me. <laughs> yeah, I've done that, certainly. Uh, and what Jeremiah is saying in this little, in, well, in this series of five poems with this flower in the middle, he says, I know it looks like this, but it's not true. You can really be in the sea of suffering, sort of floating in a little boat on the sea of suffering. But the fact that God loves you is this anchor that holds you in place. You know, the, the pain is real. It's valid. You should feel pain. It's okay to acknowledge this pain. But you have this anchor in God's love. That's such a wonderful truth. And what Joni was trying to tell this person with Parkinson's disease is that God is still there. Uh, what I'm getting out of David in these updates about Jane is the same thing. 
God is faithful in ways that David had not seen before. Uh, It is just what you see over time as you walk with the Lord. Why? Because that's just the way he is. (laughs) That's just the way he is. What a wonderful truth. Uh, When you grasp these basic ideas, which is really one idea that God loves us, the outcome is what Jeremiah talks about in the verse before this and the verse after this. The verse before this, verse 22, he says, I call these things back to my mind and therefore I have hope. In one sense, there's one thing that keeps me going in the midst of all this. And then comes verse 23. And right after 23, he says, Lord, I am hanging on to you. You are really all I have. He says, in Bible language, the Lord is my portion. I will hope in him. But hope is the outcome of seeing that God loves us in this way. And that's what Jeremiah focuses on. Just that he has hope. And hope is hope is expecting something good. Hope is knowing that it's not going to be bad forever. It's what David grabs at uh, at the end of Psalm 23 when he says, Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. I love that. Uh, following, goodness and mercy following me. And perhaps you already know that the words really are saying chasing me. They're going to chase me around the rest of my life. God is chasing me around doing good things for me. Wait, 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 Len, I have something else to give you. (laughs) What a great, great idea. And it's with Jesus. It's Jesus' perspective on life. You think of Matthew 6. And he says, stop worrying. He says, Look at that field of grass out there. Notice how God sort of just decorates it with flowers. It says Solomon never looked that good. It said, but if God takes care of the field like that, he'll take care of you. In other words, he expects something good. That was his perspective on life. It's the perspective he gives us. That there's hope. <laughs> of expectation of something really wonderful. And if you're down, if you're down like Jeremiah in the midst of writing this, these laments, this all picks you back up, you know. It, it sort of buoys you up in the midst of things. If you're already okay, if life is really pretty decent for you, uh, I think it really just makes you smile even more. You know, riding his motorcycle here this morning, And Chad just smiled a little bit more seeing that moon and knowing that behind the moon was the Lord. You know, behind these little birds at my window, I I see the Lord sending these little birds to say good morning to me. It's just a little way of making me smile. One of my goals in life is to make my wife smile. You know, it really is. I love making Mary smile. And it was really fun when I realized that's the way the Lord is with me. One of his goals is to make me smile, to just give me gifts, you know, that are new every morning. It's really wonderful. Uh, And this is exactly what happened when people met Jesus. You think about that a bit. When people met Jesus, they had hope. Perhaps they were sick and he could heal them. What a wonderful thing. 
And these 12 guys, they met Jesus and they thought, this is great. This is somebody I want to give my life to. He's going to take me somewhere that I never thought I could go. And I think maybe our country can go somewhere that I didn't think it was able to go. Never think that about a presidential candidate, okay? (laughs) But the Lord, with the Lord, there really is hope for our country, you know? With the Lord, there's really hope for everything. Um, uh, We talk about what is the mark of a Christian, And the answer is always the mark of a Christian is love. And that's true. But it's interesting to me that 1 Peter, and really in the book of Peter, Peter says, you know, we have been given a a new birth into a living hope. And in the the third chapter, he says, I want you to always be ready to tell people why you are so darn hopeful in your life. 3.15. And I think hope really is the mark of a Christian also. In one sense, it's just the natural occurrence of somebody who has met Jesus and has started walking with him every day and knows how secure he really is, how bright the future really is, the expectation Uh, that we can have because we're simply walking with the Lord. It's in a sense, it's just proof that we have met the Lord because it changes us and gives us hope. Hallelujah. So my conclusion is if you are discouraged this morning, and a lot of us are discouraged a lot of times, I think what Jeremiah says here, he wrote this really for us saying, stop, stop in the midst of your discouragement And fix your eyes on the Lord again. Just fix your eyes on, we would say, Jesus now. Because Jeremiah never got to meet Jesus. But we have. And fix your eyes on Jesus. Think about those mercies that are new every morning. And let that hope flow back into your life. And if you're not discouraged, if you're really doing pretty well then you should just go home and have breakfast, you know, and say, praise the Lord. (laughs) And I think you should tell some other people about how many good things God has done for you recently because it encourages all the rest of us, you know, when good things are happening and we, we share that in the congregation. And then, of course... Try to remember this next week when you are discouraged. (laughs) All the good things the Lord has been doing for you. Well, that's Lamentations 3.23, I think. Let's pray. Father, you know I've loved looking at this again this week. Looking at this and just remembering the big things that it says about you about the implications for our lives. Thank you that today, today your mercy is new, that as we said in, uh, we, we had our prayer of confession, we know that you heard that and that you do forgive us. Thank you that that is new again today, that we can be here. You are actually with us because Jesus' death has paid for our disobedience. Hmm. 
thank you that today is a day of hope, that today we know there are good things today coming, and there are good things tomorrow coming, because that's just who you are. You love to give us gifts. You love to take care of us. And you are a father who never will go away, who will never treat us badly. And you're happy when we come home. Thank you that that's true again today. Father, you know that some people in our congregation really are under a weight of uh, difficulty right now. Some physically, some in our marriages, some with our children. These things are so hard to bear. Lord, some of us uh, in our jobs, there are all sorts of things, you know, Lord, in our congregation, in this group of children of yours. And Lord, we just look to you for this and we raise them to you and ask that you watch over them, help them to see you, help them to stop and fix their eyes on you again and regain the hope that uh, you offer and that is ours as an inheritance, really, of knowing you. Hmm. Thank you for today. Thank you for what's ahead, Lord. We just recommit ourselves to you. We are really glad you are our leader, our lover, our father, our master. And just say that in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, rise and for the final good word. My final good word from the Lord is the same as I do every time. I just read what we've been talking about, and this is a great word. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. Let's go out with singing.